Today's scripture reading is uh, in the book of Exodus, chapter 14, verses 10 through 14. Exodus, chapter 14, verses 10 through 14. And if you have it, if you could just please stand for the reading and the reverence of God's word. And if you don't have your Bible, please follow along on, on the screen. When Pharaoh drew near, the people of Israel lifted up their eyes, and behold, the Egyptians were marching after them, and they feared greatly. And the people of Israel cried out to the Lord. They said to Moses, Is it because there are no graves in Egypt that you have taken us away to die in the wilderness? What have you done to us in bringing us out of Egypt? Is not this what we said to you in Egypt? Leave us alone that we may serve the Egyptians. For it would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the wilderness. And Moses said to the people, Fear not, stand firm, and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will work for you today. For the Egyptians whom you see today, you shall never see again. The Lord will fight for you, and you have only to be silent. Amen. Uh, you may be seated. Let me pray for us. God, we thank you for today. We thank you for guiding and for leading us here. I pray for this moment, Lord, for this next however many minutes. I pray that our hearts would be open. I pray that there would be no distractions in front of us. I pray, Lord, that we would concentrate upon your word, that it would apply to our lives. I pray that even in the words that I speak, Lord, even in my own brokenness, even in my own imperfection, God, that your words would be clearly and perfectly portrayed to us, Lord. And so we thank you in the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Today's sermon title is called A Time of Crisis. Uh, in 1959, uh, then-Senator John F. Kennedy uh, gave this really famous speech in Indiana. Now, in this speech, he said something. He said that the Chinese word for crisis was composed of two characters, danger and opportunity. Now, what we know is that this was actually proven wrong <laughs> uh, because he probably got misinformed. Uh, the word crisis is actually, in Chinese, a combination of these two characters of danger and a turning point, right? Now, this is just from what I've read. I don't personally speak Chinese, and so if, if you do, you can correct me uh, later, uh, not in person through email. Um, However, however, this does not take away the fact that what John F. Kennedy was saying was correct. That within every single crisis, that within every single moment of instability or turmoil or even despair, there is an opportunity for growth. Now, for Christians, what we believe is that in every situation, no matter how terrible it may seem, it is an opportunity for God to work. Amen? You see, in this passage here, Moses and the Israelites were facing the greatest crisis of their lives. Because as they were trekking along, after they were sent free, all of a sudden, they get in front of this entire sea, miles and miles of water in front of them. Not only that, they realize that Pharaoh had changed his mind. 
and that he had sent the Egyptian army to go out and kill them. You see the sea in front of them, the army behind them, and there was no way out. However, what's interesting to see in this passage here is that there are two groups of people that God specifically is singling out, and one of them is not the Egyptian army. These two groups of people are Moses and the Israelites. And what God does is he puts them side by side, almost talking in dialogue with one another, in order to see the contrast between the two. Because what we see is that the Israelites were deeply afraid. They saw the sea, they saw what was in front of them, they saw the army, they saw everything that was going to happen to them, and they were so scared. All they could think about was how terrible their situation was. But for Moses, you see, it was much different. He was in the same exact situation, facing the same exact water, looking at the same exact army, and yet he sees an opportunity for God to work. And so he says that famous line, do not be afraid, stand still, and God will fight for you. Moses and the Israelites, same situation, same obstacle, and yet one was afraid and the other was not. And all I want to do today is something really simple. Just look at one simple question. Why is it that Moses is able to see what's in front of him and what's behind him? Why is it Moses able to see this time of crisis as an opportunity? And why are the Israelites only able to see it as a crisis? And you see, it's because of this. The Israelites were still in slavery to the world while Moses was serving God. And as a result of this, Moses knew to be still. And that's all we're going to look at today. That the Israelites were in slavery while Moses was serving God. And because of Moses' faith, Moses knew to be still. Right? So, first off, the Israelites were still in slavery. You know, after the ten plagues, we see that something kind of broke within Pharaoh. His heart turned, and he sent the Israelites out of Egypt. So we see the people leave, and, and everything is pretty great. But after some time, they come across the Red Sea, the biggest obstacle of their lives. And not only that, Pharaoh has another change of heart, and it says he sends 600 of his best chariots after them. What we know is that these chariots were meant for one thing, to kill them. And so it says the Israelites fear deeply, and in verse 12 it says, Is not this what we said to you in Egypt, talking to Moses? Leave us alone that we may serve the Egyptians. For it would have been better for us 
to serve the Egyptians than to die in the wilderness. You see, the Israelites told Moses and said to God, look at what's happening. Didn't we tell you that we wanted to stay? We were fine in Egypt. As you read that, don't you kind of find that to be kind of ridiculous? And it should be, because the Israelites were almost lying. That's not what happened. In chapter 4, verse 30, it says that Moses and Aaron, they gathered the people, and they explained what God was going to do, that he had finally listened, that he heard their cry, that he was going to take them out of bondage. And it says that the Israelites bowed down and worshipped, thanking God. You see, for the Israelites, when they saw that everything was going well, they praised God and were so happy. But the moment things turned for the worse, they began to panic and blame God and blame Moses. And the reason is this. The Israelites may have escaped physical slavery, but spiritually, they were still slaves. They were slaves to fear. They were slaves to their circumstances. And you see, when you're slaves to that, then when things are good, you are praising God. But when things are bad, everything is completely hopeless. But Moses was different. He looks at the people and he says, do not be afraid. The Lord will fight for you today. There is no fear in him. And he only looks at the crisis in front of him as an opportunity, you see, for God to work. Moses has de dedicated his life to serve the Lord. That moment we talked about last week when he encountered God in the burning bush, it was that moment where he dedicated the rest of all that he was to do to the Lord. And because Moses was serving God, he was completely free from anything that this world could offer him. And so church, there's this one truth that I want us to really understand. That we are either serving God or we are in slavery to something else. Many of us think that there is this third option. We don't have to be, we don't have to be serving God we don't have to be slaves to something else. We can kind of be free on our own. And yet that's a lie. The Bible says that, look, it's either God or it's money. It's either God or it's fear of man. It's either God or this world. The Bible continually says it's always going to be one or the other. There's no in-between. And the book of Exodus, it reiterates this again and again. One of the most beautiful verses and yet one of the most misquoted ones is Exodus 9.1, where God is speaking to Moses and he says those famous lines, let my people go. I want you to go and speak to Pharaoh. I want you to tell them. I want you to encourage them. I want you to say, let my people go. And yet God actually says more than that. We, a lot of times, miss the ending 
Because in actuality, God says, look, I want you to go before Pharaoh. I want you to go before the Israelites. I want you to say this, let my people go so that they may worship me. I want you to take them out of slavery so that they can come and serve me. Our freedom from slavery in the world means that we are now serving God. Now, church, a question you may be asking is, Pastor Danny, how is serving God better than serving this world? Well, that's a good question. I'm glad you asked that. And the answer is quite simple. It's because of this. God loves us while Satan hates us. God, he puts a yoke on us to help us. Satan will put on yoke, will put a yoke on us in order to destroy us. A lot of us know that famous passage in Matthew eleven twenty eight, where Jesus says, Come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke, for it is easy, and my burden is light. Now, I'm not going to go into all the different intricacies of a yoke. I think a lot of us have heard that before, that you yoke two animals together in order to kind of plow the land, right? But there's actually another passage in the Old Testament that talks about a yoke. It's a bit more obscure. You see, in Jeremiah 28, 13, God is speaking to a king who has turned away from him. He's speaking to the nation of Israel who has turned away from him. And he says this, You have broken a wooden yoke, and in its place you will get a yoke of iron. You see, the yoke that we are most familiar with, the yoke that we know about in Matthew eleven twenty eight, 28, is a wooden yoke. These yokes were put on animals. They were put on cattle in order to help them till and plow the land. They were made to be extremely light. They were made to be as comfortable as possible. And the reason why is because these animals belong to the farmer. It's because they were going towards the same goal. If the animal did well, if the animal plowed a lot, if the animal worked hard and was able to achieve a lot, then the farmer succeeded as well. It was a win-win situation, and so they would give them a wooden yoke. But there was also a different type of yoke back then. It was a yoke that was made out of iron. And what we know about these yokes is that metal yokes were extremely heavy, and they were extremely uncomfortable. If you kept it on for too long, they would crush the bones and they would begin to disfigure the body if used for any extended amount of time. They were terrible, in fact. But if that's the case, the question is, why would anyone use a metal yoke? Well, they were used for slaves. Slaves were joined together with metal yokes in order to bring the maximum amount of discomfort and pain. Metal yokes were used to bring punishment in order to make sure that slaves did not run away. 
and they were used so that these slaves would understand that over time, they would have no hope. That over time, as they kept it on, their bodies and their minds and everything would become disfigured. You see, church, God, he gives us a wooden yoke. It's why he emphasizes, my yoke is light. My burden is easy. I'm going to be carrying this with you. And the reason why is because on the other side, there is a different type of yoke. And that yoke is made out of iron. And that is the yoke that Satan will put on you. It's the yoke that the world will put on us. And over time, little by little, it will weigh upon us. It will bring us discomfort. Because the thief is only here to kill and destroy. God is the one who does love you. He is the one that cares for you. He is the one who is on the same team as you. And yet Satan is the one who will slowly try to tear you away from everything good and everything lovely. When we center our lives on money, church, it will destroy us in the long run. We're not going to realize that at first, but it's only later when we look back that we realize how disfigured we have become. When we center our lives on relationships, it will destroy us. When we center our lives on ourselves, it will destroy us. Church is why going towards the Lord. And even if it's a burden, even if we know that there's a yoke there, it is a yoke so much lighter, so much better, so much more lovely than anything that the world can offer you. I know that COVID has been very hard on a lot of us. And I know that through COVID, that has been harder for many of us to stay connected within the church. But what I've seen is that many people see this as an opportunity to take a step back from God. And what they think is that life is going to be easier and life is going to be lighter and life is going to be better because of it. And yet, in all of my years of ministry, I have never seen more peace in someone's life because they took a step away from God. In all of my life, I have never once seen more joy in someone's life because they took a step away from the church. It's always been the opposite. We need to realize that when we try and take off the wooden yoke of Jesus Christ, that we are simply putting on the metal yoke of this world. Charles Spurgeon, who's this famous pastor, says it this way. I'm going to ask you a question. You have got rid of that yoke of wood. How about your shoulders now? Your Sundays, are they very pleasant? Your family, is it very happy? Your mind, is it very much at ease? It's not true. Moses, you see, he understood this. And so his allegiance was to the Lord. He was serving God. And because he was serving God, that crisis in front of him, no matter how terrible it may seem to everybody else, he realized was only an opportunity for the God he served to work powerfully in the lives of the people that God loved. There was faith 
that God was going to do something because Moses understood that God had already done great things. He realized that the God that he served was a God greater than this world. He realized that the God that he served had already planned things out. That the Pharaoh who changed his mind, yeah, God, he knew that Pharaoh was going to change his mind. That the God of the ten plagues, yeah, he knew that he had to do those ten plagues. And when Pharaoh sent out the 600 chariots, that when the Israelites were facing the Red Sea, God knew, God knew that those things were going to happen too. Moses, you see, had faith in the Lord. And this comes to my second point, that as a result of his faith in God, Moses knew to be still. Verse 13 to 14 says this, And Moses said to the people, Fear not, stand firm, and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will work for you today. For the Egyptians whom you see today, you shall never see again. The Lord will fight for you. You have only to be silent. This comes across an important truth that for Christians, we will go through difficulties. But as we see in the example of Moses, that when we go through difficulties, the most important thing that we can do is to simply stand still and watch God work. The reason why Moses was not afraid was because even though he didn't know what, Mo- what God would do, he knew that God would do something. He didn't know exactly what was going to happen in the future, but he knew that God was going to work in some way. For us, we're not going to understand exactly what God has planned for us in the future, and that's okay. We're not meant to understand everything that's going to happen. But as Christians, what we should understand is that God is going to work. That he is going to do something. And it will be greater than what we can imagine. This is the truth of the Bible. It never gives us specifics. It's not going to say, hey, God is going to bring an earthquake. He is going to bring a shadow. He is going to part the Red Sea. All he's going to say is, look, I am going to do a mighty work in your life. Just watch. Just stand still and look. That's the belief that we need to have as Christians. Not looking at anything, not looking at anything specific. Not trying to look at every little detail. But just trusting in the Lord that he is going to work. You see, when we are in times of crisis, the problem that we have is never going to be, is God working? The problem is, are we willing to open our eyes to see it? If our eyes are closed, it doesn't matter if it's the sunniest day in the world, everything's going to be dark. It doesn't matter if God works the greatest miracle in your life, if you don't have the heart to see it, if you don't have the mind to open yourself to understand that God is working, you will never realize that it is the Lord. It's just science. It's just natural. It's just coincidence. It just happened. 
we can always make a million excuses. But Moses was waiting in anticipation for God to work. And in that moment, he knew something great was going to happen. And so he says those words, stand firm, stand firm, stand still, and see the salvation of the Lord. You see, Moses told the Israelites one thing, stop, stop, stop what you're doing, stop where you're going, stop what you're thinking, just stop. And in times of crisis, in times of turmoil, this will be God's answer to us as well. Stop. Stop letting your mind wander. Stop letting your thoughts take hold of you. Stop letting your actions go first. Just stop. And there's a verse in Come Thou Fount. It's a famous hymn that I love, and it goes like this. Let thy goodness like a fetter bind my wandering heart to thee. Prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. Here's my heart. Oh, take and seal it. Seal it for thy courts above. Our hearts and our minds are prone to wander. They go back and forth in so many different places. And when times of crisis come into our lives, what we have to realize is that our wandering hearts go into three specific places in particular that are not from God. And those three places are despair, fear, and impatience. You see, our hearts, they go into despair in times of crisis. And what despair is, it's, it's grieving and it's sadness, but not only that, it's grieving and sadness without hope. It's meant to cast you down. And it's meant, you, it's meant to keep you from looking anywhere but up. It's meant for you to look inwards, to look at the other people around you. And it's meant so that you never look upon the God who can truly save you. So church, do not despair in times of crisis because our hope is in Jesus Christ. Second is going to be fear. And fear is going to tell you that there's only two options present in front of you in any time of crisis. That you can either give up or you can go back. And for the Israelites, they thought that that was it for them. They saw only the thing in front of them. They saw only the army behind them. And they said, you know what? All we can do is either die or we can try to go back. And within fear, God is never part of the equation. Because fear tells you that you have to trust in yourself. Church, do not fear in times of crisis. Because our hope is in Jesus Christ. Victory is found in the Lord. He is going to bring a work, a mighty work within your life. And lastly, in times of despair, in times of crisis, our heart will go towards impatience. It'll say, don't think, don't wait, just do something now. It'll tell you to move first, don't pray, don't ask for counsel, don't look to your brothers and sisters. Just jump into the Red Sea. Just go forward without thinking. 
Church, do not be impatient in times of crisis. The work will be done by Jesus Christ. And it's why Moses says, fear not, stand firm, and see the salvation of the Lord. Moses had no idea what God would do, but he knew what the results would be. You see that? He didn't know the specifics of what God would do in this moment. He didn't understand exactly how God would allow things to work out, but man, he had faith that the result would come. He knew that God would save his people and that the enemies would not touch them. Stand firm and see the salvation of the Lord. You see, in this passage, salvation is used in a literal sense. But as the Old Testament turns to the new, salvation stops becoming more about the physical and it starts becoming more about the spiritual. Because in times of crisis, God, he has assured us victory. He says that he will fight for us, and he promises that the enemy will not destroy us. And the reason why we can have faith in this is because of the work, the life, and the death, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Because he has already come down, he has already done the work, he has already defeated death, he has already paid for the sins, and now his blood and his perfection covers us. And so all that's left for us to do is simply live this life. And when we go, when we die, all we're going to be is in the arms of God our Father. That is the truth. In 1 Thessalonians, it says the same thing. There was so much hopelessness in that place when the church was fighting, when the church was in turmoil. And Paul says, look, what we believe as brothers and sisters in Christ is that they're simply asleep. They are simply asleep because what we believe is that there is an ultimate hope for the future, that this isn't it, that what we see, that the senses that we have, that our hearing, touch, and our smell, and our sight is not everything in front of us. We believe that there is a greater hope and that when we pass from this world, we are only falling asleep because God has set a place for us, that he has prepared a place for us in the future, where we can be with him forever. And it is in that place that he is waiting for us now. So fear not. Stand firm. And, you, and see that you have been given salvation from the Lord. So church, in whatever crisis you may be in, trust that it is simply an opportunity for God to work in order to show his glory and to bring about your good. Amen? Let's pray. God, we thank you for all that you have done. And we give you just all the praise, Lord, even for the multiple times of crisis that we may go through, that, may, that we may have already gone through. Lord, we understand and we believe that it is a simply a space for you to work in powerfully. And so, God, we trust in that truth. I pray that we would have a faith like Moses, that we would dedicate our lives to serving you, that our hopes, our dreams, our aspirations, our center is not in this world. It is in you alone. 
And so, God, I pray that as we continue to serve you, as we place you first, that the result would be that in whatever situation that we are in, we would stand firm in you and we would move forward with courage. We would pray first, seek your wisdom, and Lord, you would direct and guide us. Because we know that in whatever situation is in front of us, it is simply an opportunity for you to work. And so God, lay this upon our hearts. Church, I would want us to pray this together. Go before the Lord. And whatever situation you are going through right now, whatever area of your life that you are struggling in, give it up to the Lord. Open up the eyes of your heart to see how God is working in it. Even in the worst of situations, God is able to do great things. We believe this. We may not know the details, but we know the results. And so for right now, church, let's pray this together. Let's pray this courageously. Let's pray this with faith like Moses. God, he contrasts these two groups of people. Church, I would like for us to really pray to the Lord. God, I want a faith like Moses. I want a faith that truly believes in you, that serves you, that wants to have the yoke of wood. And as a result of that, I will stand firm in every aspect, in every circumstance, in every situation. Let's pray now.